I also firmly believe that all Canadians should have access to the same education and care. Welcome to ICANN, a podcast about ophthalmology through a uniquely Canadian lens with Dr. Sarah Ziai and myself, Dr. Guillermo Rocha. This season, we have two new co-hosts joining us, Dr. Mona Dagger and Dr. Hadith Saheb. They'll be hosting upcoming episodes throughout the season. Season three of the ICANN podcast is brought to you by Bayer Ophthalmology. Thank you for your support. On this episode of ICANN, we are excited to introduce our listeners to Dr. Vivian Hill, Chair of the U.S. Council on Advocacy. Dr. Hill completed a fellowship in ocular pathology in Ottawa. At the University of Ottawa, Dr. Hill then completed ophthalmology residency and a pediatric ophthalmology fellowship in Calgary. Dr. Hill is currently an assistant professor at the University of Calgary where she leads undergraduate ophthalmology at the Cummings School of Medicine and participates in residency and fellowship training. She is a member of the examination board of the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada as an optics and pediatric ophthalmology examiner and participates as a Medical Council of Canada examiner. Dr. Hill sits on the executive of the Eye Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta as past fees chair and current advocacy lead. Her interests include pediatric ophthalmology and strabismus, retinopathy of prematurity, medical education, as well as vision safety in a setting of expanding injectable medical aesthetic. She's a former director on the board of West Island College in Calgary, which excels in academic rigor and experiential learning. She has received Calgary's Top 40 Under 40 Award, as well as teaching awards at the Cummings School of Medicine. Welcome to the ICANN Podcast, Dr. Hill. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Vivian, you have been Chair of the Advocacy Council since June 2021. Can you describe your role and some of the initiatives the Council has been involved in this year? Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to do so. But first, I'd love to give you a little bit of background on how I became committed to advocacy. Firstly, we define advocacy within ophthalmology as all the uh, activities that aim to influence decisions within political, professional, educational institutions that pertain to our work, but more importantly, and um, ultimately to patient care. In late December of 2020, um, our eye physicians and surgeons president was made aware informally that optometry was requesting a scope expansion into surgical practice. And by the time we uh, found out about this, a well-organized, polished document had already been submitted to the government, Alberta, of the government of Alberta, by the Alberta um, Optometric Association. And I remember thinking, why had we not heard about this sooner? Why weren't we in the loop? Because we are the surgeons of the eye surgeons in Alberta, and we're ultimately responsible for their care. 
We ended up finding out about this through the COS, the Canadian Ophthalmologic Society, and they uh, they informed us. And that was no accident. It was because they had a strong um, advocacy base already, and the government went to them for advice. Ultimately, um, with the help of the COS, the eye physicians and surgeons of Alberta, were able to make a formal response and I uh, led that response. And um, it has been successful to date in, in terms of protecting uh, surgery for surgeons in Alberta. And so during that process, I learned that advocacy pertains to not only ed- educating the public, but also it pertains to educating those individual policymakers who can change the way we practice with the stroke of a pen. It also pertains to protecting our patients and ensuring policies are in place that allow timely access to the best care and not just rapid access to compromised care. In addition, through this process, um, I learned that it's important we continue to educate our medical students and our colleagues um, about ophthalmic issues. And um, it also made me really aware that we have a responsibility as well to work within a team of eye care providers and to be um, responsible in providing excellent care, but also cost-effective care, particularly in the time of fiscal restraint in a publicly funded system. So all that um, happened. And then in 2021, I became really, was honored to be sponsored to take on the role of chair of the Advocacy Council of the COS. So we um, have had quite a few initiatives. And I have to say my, the first initiative that that um, I thought was really important was to educate Canadians about the eye care team. That's all Canadians, patients, uh, colleagues, government, um, everyone. And it's important that um, they know about the eye care team because each of us have important, albeit different roles. And in that regard, the COS has developed primers, on the three O's, so ophthalmology, mm-hmm. optometry, and opticians. And these are available to our members and also to members of the uh, public to help them, to help educate them on the on the roles of the eye care team. We also had developed some advocacy primers to help our colleagues, so other ophthalmologists, use uh, these documents and get them into the hands of, of the people that need to see them. Another initiative um, is to continue to foster communication between provinces and our national organization and between our advocacy council and all the COS members. And we're doing that through quarterly advocacy updates. Um, but, you know, we I became aware of a lot of other initiatives that the COS is involved in through um, the, or during the past year. The COS is, um, we've has developed evidence-based position statements on controversial topics like vision therapy and the use of biosimilar medications. It has developed sort of centralized access to some medical educational um, documents that's quite exciting. And uh, through its website, uh, continues to educate the public on their 
risk factors for different eye diseases in a really accessible way. If you haven't been on the www.seethepossibilities.ca, I recommend it. Um, and, you know, they've also, or we, or the, and the COS has also been involved in drug shortages and escalating um, important drug shortages to higher and higher levels to ensure that our patients have um, access to needed medications. And then I think a very exciting initiative that is really coming, uh, coming to a head is recognizing the need for a national strategy on vision care through a um, national vision health desk. And we'll talk, um, hopefully we get a chance to talk a little bit more about that um, later. Thank you, Vivian. You seem very busy, but these are very laudable um, endeavors. We really are very proud to have you leading the way into advocacy for all of ophthalmology in Canada. Uh, tell me, what are the challenges facing the advocacy portfolio? I think there are there are a few. Um, although I have to say, I have a really really great team. I um, that I really want to to say that at the uh, COS. Um, with Kim and Liz, um, it, you know, it's been, it's been so helpful uh, for me. Um, but as previously mentioned, the COS is a national organization and healthcare is delivered provincially. So each province is independent yet connected. And I think that communication between the provinces is a real challenge. Everybody is so busy seeing patients, operating, being on call. Um, so we're, we're all in our own worlds, trying to manage, manage our practices, yet we all face these similar challenges. And um, ultimately, what happens in one province is going to affect the others. So if we have one province that is undergoing challenges and um, may run into problems, that ends up affecting all the other provinces. So a challenge is how to support provinces as much as possible with the resources that we at the COS have available. And the COS can't take on every provincial issue. We simply do not have the resources. So it's always how do we best support each province where and when they need it the most. And this has really um, become one of our bigger challenges. And um a really exciting thing that came out of that is the creation of a provincial president's council this year, which is chaired by uh, Dr. Hooper, who is our COS president and was the former chair of advocacy. And it's also attended by me or the, the current advocacy chair and our chief executive officer. And this is meetings, not only to support the free flow of ideas between provincial presidents, but also to, to help share resources so that each province doesn't have to really reinvent the wheel when something pops up. It allows, it also allows the COS to have their finger on the pulse of the challenges and the successes of each provincial association and, and hopefully be able to share those. And although this council is still in its early days, we've had one meeting with another one planned, we are really excited about it and we're hoping it continues to gain traction and it um, becomes a place where important issues can be discussed in real time and provinces can feel the support of their national organization and their colleagues. 
and and sometimes you know that that's what it takes so these provincial presidents are really volunteers and sometimes the issues can seem overwhelming but i know from speaking to various provincial presidents that they really appreciate having the backing of their national organization and also appreciate being able to talk about challenges and successes with their colleagues in other provinces uh, can you tell us more the objectives of the group Well, like I mentioned, real-time communication of important issues is paramount. So free-flowing of ideas. And some things, um, you know, might be on scope expansion and optometry, but but not just that. We're also sharing information on current practices and care delivery. For example, um, there's been a national movement of surgical services into non-hospital private centers. And different provinces are at different stages. So for instance, Alberta, you know, we've been operating a non-hospital surgical facilities since I started, so 20 years plus. But um, not all provinces are there. And the COS, uh, under the leadership of Dr. Colin Mann, the past president, created a document after consultations took place across Canada to generate a reference of guiding principles to non-hospital surgical centers. And This was a great exercise because it allowed communication about um, where different provinces were with non-hospital surgical centers, but also uh, created a, a sort of standardized document with really great guiding principles like um, quality and ethical care, um, eye care is health care, sort of preserving choice, looking at at challenges within non-hospital surgical centers and how those might be resolved, making sure these centers are fair, deliver excellent care, provide equal access to all patients, and also are um, run in a way that maintains the same standard as hospitals. Some other issues we've talked about is rural retention, how to encourage um, residents to perhaps choose a path of um, rural practice, what extra training might they need, um, how do we give them more exposure, what are what are some of the challenges and why are we not able to retain enough rural ophthalmologists. And you know, one idea that was brought up is that all our residency programs are within tertiary care settings. And it's really easy to refer to a subspecialist with challenges. And, you know, that's intimidating in a rural setting because you don't always have access to subspecialty care. So perhaps, um, you know, there might be a way to improve or expand training to residents. And And uh, we've also been able to discuss a little bit with the Association of Canadian Universities professors in ophthalmology and, and really start a conversation there. So that's exciting. And then, of course, just um, asking everybody what their advocacy goals would be for the upcoming year. That's excellent. Thank you. Icon wants to know what you think. Please send your comments on today's episode or any suggestions you may have for topics or features to communications at cos-sco.ca and we'll try to incorporate them into future episodes. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Nupra Bakshi, and I listen to the ICANN podcast. On a different but related topic, the COS Public Awareness Fund was created to provide financial support to grow the See the Possibilities website for patients and for the public. How is that project developing? Um, well, it it is uh, it's great. And first of all, I I wanted to thank everybody who did donate to the advocacy fund, um, and just say it's it's just really um, important. The fund has allowed the COS to uh, update its website uh, with new resources for both patients and doctors, things like those documents on the three O's. We worked on exposure of World Sight Day, where we uh, collaborated with the International Association for the Prevention of Blindness through some social media campaigns. We've updated our risk assessment tools on the website so patients can click into the website and see if they're at risk for um, any of the big five eye diseases. We've had Ask the Expert uh, parts like on glaucoma and other things, and we have an upcoming Ask the Experts with Dr. Cetarezia, and that'll be launched in early 2023. So it's pretty exciting. The website is actually quite easy to navigate for patients. And then there's also a members only section as well that gives members access to some of our advocacy documents. So all the funds go to helping us with these projects and they're so, so important. Very important indeed. You touched a bit about the subject at the beginning. So now we're switching gears to this much bigger initiative. Let's discuss a very important topic this U.S. has been working on this year, the creation of a National Vision Health Desk. Can you give us an overview of this project? Sure, I'd be happy to. So first of all, we know that 60% of Canadians at least will be affected by one of the major eye diseases and that 75% of blindness is preventable. And I believe that this will only increase with the uh, invention of new technologies and treatments. So we really need a national strategy to ensure that the public is educated about their eye health. If people know why they should be doing something, they are more likely to follow through. I also firmly believe that all Canadians should have access to the same education and care. And again, healthcare is delivered provincially, but a national strategy, I believe, is critical. So the National Vision Health Desk will be a policy voice for the vision health community and will work with the provinces and territories on strategies for efficient, cost-effective access to eye care and vision care. And the COS is not working on this alone. We are working in collaboration with other um, organizations, including the Canadian Association of Optometrists, including institutions for the CNIB and other groups. So this is a multi-group initiative, and the COS is certainly um, one of the leaders in this initiative. Can you tell us how it provide value to the vision health community and to Canadians in general? Sure. Uh, as we mentioned, it's to develop a national strategy for action on eye health and vision care. It 
would also support the work of the federal government to create an essential ophthalmic drug list within the National Pharmacare Framework. It um, hopefully would also, and this I think is very important, create a standardized national policy for vision screening across the country with particular focus on children, on seniors, as well as on vulnerable populations. So that if we can develop best practices and have that spread throughout the provinces, we're not getting one set of screenings guidelines in one province and a different one in another. So for me to be able to have a, a united voice that can support policies for all Canadians to protect their vision is really important. Um, it could develop patient care pathways for the main eye diseases and delineate some interprofessional collaboration among physicians, optometrists, and opticians. And this is also important because different provinces have different scopes of practice to non-physician eye care providers. And I think having some guidelines on inter interdisciplinary collaboration is really, really important. And it um, can also help coordinate action by governments, health professionals, non-government organizations, industry, and individuals that could work in partnership. It could oversee um, some research and provide maybe some databases to improve evidence-based vision care. And then importantly, again, we're implement public awareness campaigns on the importance of eye health as a core component of overall health. And I think the education piece for me is a really big one, but it's not the only one. I think um, making sure there's access to to medications and procedures and screening protocols for all Canadians um, in an equitable way is also very important and in the best way so that we don't have provinces having to basically reinvent the wheel over and over again. Sounds like a great initiative. What is the expected cost to run the desk and what is the timeline you're looking at? The COS is requesting funding from the federal government in around $10 million, $2 million a year for five years. And this is primarily to cover salaried positions for a chief vision health officer that will hopefully be someone with experience in government as well as a core group of staff. And the timeline is, is hopefully coming <laughs> because um, in September this year, the COS prepared a written submission for pre-budget consultations in advance of the 2023 budget. The uh, budget is usually tabled in March and the votes take place before the summer recess. So implementation could be as early as fall of 2023 if we're successful. So this is certainly a big focus and we're really hoping that the government does uh, vote in favor of this and sees the importance of preventing vision loss and, and treating vision loss and doing so in a way that gives each Canadian access to the same timely and excellent care. Thank you for sharing all this with us, Vivian. As we close each episode of the podcast, we like to ask our guests about some of the non-professional activities they do. Are you reading any books? What? Uh, how do you fill oh. your free time? That's a, that's a great question. So I moved to Calgary from Ottawa 
And so now I live in the foothills of the Canadian Rockies, where there are some of the best skiing, cross country, downhill, mountain biking, and also just beautiful hikes. So in my spare time, I'm really trying to be physically active. I'm trying to get outside and enjoy the mountains. I'm trying to stay fit so that I can get outside and enjoy the mountains. And that has really been a lot of my focus along with work. I've done a few things like started playing tennis a little bit more again and um, trying to reconnect with friends. I have, um, I'm now an empty nester. So my children are both on Vancouver Island in school and that um, frees up some time, but also um, makes you busier. And sometimes I feel like I'm doing, um, I almost don't have time with all my activities <laughs> to uh, get through the day, but it's it's been great. And if anyone hasn't visited Banff uh, National Park and some of the, I really recommend it because it is really some of the most stunning uh, vistas that we have in, in Canada. I do miss lakes though, I have to say. I um, miss the lakes of Ontario and Quebec. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Hill, for joining us. We look forward to bringing you more episodes of the ICANN podcast. ICANN wants to know what you think. Please send your comments on today's episode or any suggestions you may have for topics or features to communications at cos-sco.ca and we'll try to incorporate them into future episodes. Season three of the ICANN podcast is brought to you by Bayer Ophthalmology. Thank you for your support. Thank you to the Canadian Ophthalmological Society. The ICANN podcast is written and directed by Kim Teitler and produced by John Allaire from Allaire Strategic Works.